I loved the emotional rush of being scared. I still do, of course. I don't go out much to haunted houses, but I still love good, old-fashioned, scary stories. Listener discretion is advised. The boat was already the last straw for me, but this this is something (laughs) entirely different. This is grounds for divorce. Oh, electrifying execution, by the way. If they would get into really nasty arguments, yeah, I was about to say there's different ways to execute. Get pissed off and try to take the painting down and like get rid of it, and he would fly into a rage until she put it. It does definitely get. Yeah, there's no question. She got an electric chair. About the best yeah, before we get started though, before we start talking about Ruth and her electric chair friend, I wanted to ask. Ask a favor of our amazing listeners. Would you please just take a quick second and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? Even if it's just a quick woo, love this podcast and leave some stars. We love you forever. We already love you. Well, unconditional. We love you a little extra more. Excellent health So Lisa, what's wetting your whistle today? So what's wetting my whistle today? I am drinking a Pinot Gris Chateau Saint podcast wine. for that delicious. real life on the it go is. experience Paige, what are you drinking? Year old I'm literally just drinking our guest a vodka lemonade. I think that's a beautiful thing. It he is tells us beautiful about his story as it happens in real time. But I'll tell you where the vodka life. came from. Please do. It's nasty it is boy, Deep Eddie brand vodka and it's in Austin, Texas. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Austin, Texas. Join us every week as we continue to How much have you drank? Not a lot, but I guess that Deep Eddie gets deep in me. I'll tell you one of my favorite things to do is have the Deep Eddie sweet tea vodka and mix that with lemonade. This so this guy had no business. It's like a flavor. Getting married flavor. was not over. I know. It's some bullshit. So one more little tidbit that's going to come up later in the story is that he had a tie Amazing! I bought all the little mini travel bottles one time of all the different flavors and mixed them with soda. This is totally a Robert Baratheon type dude where he can't get over Lyanna and he's married to Cersei. Oh my god, you're right. He's married to a new woman, you know, by all accounts, a beautiful, good wife to have, whatever. But he just cannot let go of that one girl who might not have even liked him that much anyway. We don't know because she's dead. I like to feel good too, Paige. And for all of you guys, yeah, but I have a feeling. Reference. Just in case you're like, like oh, right, I'm sorry. Who's oh, Robert Baratheon? She's going to feel bad. Guy? Guy? I would be very surprised if anyone who wants to listen to this podcast. Oh my. Okay, so we're giving it away all up front. Didn't watch Game of Thrones at some point. Hopefully you're all are nerds. Exactly. Even if you're not, it's okay. You're still welcome. You're still already going to die at the end of the story. But before we will try our best, like Lisa just did, to tell you what we're talking about. Because I hate it when I'm listening to a podcast and they throw out some dumb movie reference I've never <laughs> Done. They Story over. All right. Like, thank you for listening. <laughs> Please be sure to yeah, check us so out. We'll on try this. not to do that to you guys. But <laughs> and then she got zapped and died. No. The solution to this marriage problem right. that for Ruth had was Snyder. to have a baby in 1918. Famous because that's as well as solves every problem in a marriage. Oh yeah, it doesn't cause new problems at all. Killed her husband <laughs> by what? making people stressed you, out and tired all the time. Never happens. Poor. Never. I feel like I've never heard this before. It does not help if you're already having marriage problems. It's not going to help. 
didn't. Specifically with these guys. They had a baby <laughs> cheat on their husbands and kill them afterwards. She was so excited. She was so <laughs> happy but to you have know what? a little Before girl we get to Ruth, I do give a few little tidbits right. about the electric chair itself. Things that I found out that I didn't know and I thought other people might be on the other hand. You know what? I am one of those people. kids and was not happy that she got pregnant. Okay, dude. What did you think you guys were doing in the bedroom this whole time? You were making babies. Screw you Listeners, are you going to put up with What did you think was going to happen? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Great. Have a talk before I some more deep eddy. For punishment, Yeah, yeah, that's why they come. No, I'm just kidding. have reliable birth control back then. So come on, dude. I don't judge. Whatever. This is turning into our dolls after dark. marriage. That should be our promo. Ruth, that little Now at her wit's end, just, you know, she's basically just concentrating on her daughter and herself and whatever conversation show between Paige for Patreons. I give you three guesses as to why it's called Dolls After Dark. It's a new lover named after we drink enough to go dark <laughs> that's right blackout anyways i'm sorry Let, let's let's get back on track yeah let's talk a little bit about these electric chairs so this is some of the history of the electric chair first invented by a dentist of all people wow i know right i think he he was used to having chairs and so he's like electric chair same thing as what i use <laughs> yikes i do not want to associate the dentist and the electric chair Right? I don't need that. I don't need that association. I've already got enough issues with the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) But this guy, he was in the late 1800s. His name was Alfred P. Southwick. Oh, nice. And how he came up with the idea was he was at a lecture hall and there was a medical examiner up at the front of the lecture hall talking about an autopsy he had done on a man who was a drunk dock worker and snuck into the power plant for the electric company what would he do in there apparently at some point in his life i don't know how we know this because all i know about this guy is that he's dead but we know that some point in his life he touched an electric fence and liked the way it tingled in his arms excuse me that's apparently the story i don't know how we know that maybe he told somebody excuse me oh my goodness wow (laughs) that was delicious and juicy was it deep eddie's trying to come on up Oh my, not so deep. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, this guy, he uh, snuck into the electric company power plant and touched a bigger live wire than he'd touched before and ended up electrocuting himself to death. Wait, what? What? (laughs) So so yeah, the guy who was doing the autopsy found it interesting because he hadn't really seen somebody electrocuted to death before this since they hadn't had cities powered by electricity for too much ahead of this. Mm -hmm. So anyway, he was talking about it at a lecture. Alfred P. Southwick was in the audience and was like, oh, electrocution, death by electrocution. Okay, maybe this is uh, a moneymaker. I can start selling this to the cities to kill their inmates with for the death penalty. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways that you could say, hmm, that's a good way to kill somebody. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just very curious as to why he's like this. This is the new way we're going to do it. I don't know why it sparked his interest. I really don't. All I know is that. The, <laughs> did you just say the, sparked his interest? Did you mean to sparked? say that? Oh, my God. I did not mean. I seriously did not mean to say that. <laughs> I should have wrote that down. That was a beautiful uh, Freudian slip. It worked fine. It worked out just what I needed, I guess. But yes, it wink sparked wink his interest. <laughs> But he, so what he did first was he set it up to use on animals at the local pound for euthanasia. And that's how he would test it on, 
on animals before they started testing it on inmates. Oh my god, that makes me almost want to vomit thinking of a poor animal being electrocuted. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. Like, you know, screw people. You can go to the chair for all I care. I mean, as long as you're guilty. But I'm like, don't hurt the animals. Right. I know. Yeah. They're just stray dogs and stray cats that the, there's a Buffalo, New York pound that he was getting these animals from. And he killed hundreds of stray dogs and cats before he was like, okay, I think I've got it now. <laughs> like, okay, I want to punch this guy. So uh, the electric chair itself, after he perfected it on killing animals, it moved it to people. And they found out after several, several years of using the electric chair that it had one of the lowest rates of botched executions. What? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my whole thing tonight is just going to be, what? Yeah, that was me last week. Uh, sip, sip, what the shit. <laughs> yeah, sip, sip, what the shit. Okay, so how how do it's you botch? Different. How do you, bo- I mean, do you botch it by, like, it not killing? Is that how you botch a, a, an electrocution? It just doesn't kill you? <laughs> I think, well, yeah, I, I guess any of these that I'm about to mention, all the different methods that uh, has been used in America as a method of execution, of all of them, the botched means that they aren't able to kill them as quickly and humanely as they were hoping. But they still kill them. They always they kill all of them at, in the end. They just need to do it a couple times. Is killing really considered humane anyway? I feel like we're going to have a whole no. ethics thing here, but I mean... I agree. Like, at, at that point, what does it matter? A couple... I Okay, I'm sure it matters a lot to the person going through it. Yes. <laughs> but let's get into the numbers here because I was surprised at how low the rates are of botched executions. Uh, so electric chair, which I said has one of the lowest, is at 1.9% of botched execution. That's actually pretty good. Pretty low. Yeah. yeah pretty low. Gas chamber is second highest. Gas chamber is at 5.4% botched okay lethal injection is the highest and that's the one states currently use and that's at 7.12 percent so now we're going to go old school a little bit hanging which i guess some states you can still try to request hanging but i don't know if they if they have to go through like a process to approve it um hanging is at 3.12 percent and for that 
this is the only one, uh, lethal injection and hanging and electric chair are the only ones I know for sure what the botched means. Um, I can just guess for mm-hmm. gas chamber, but for hanging, the botched means that they either made the short the rope too short or too long. And particularly when they used to have hangings in front of an audience, public hangings, they wanted to make sure they did it right so that no head went lopping off and hit somebody in the audience or eyeballs popping out or, you know, stuff like that. So they were trying to make sure not to freak out the audience too much. Well, thank you for fueling my nightmares for tonight. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) But so uh, I said that electric chair is one of the lowest of the ratings for botched executions, but the actual lowest is 0%. For the firing squad. Okay, yeah. I'd say gunshot to the face ought to do it. So a firing squad, you have several people shooting. Am I correct in assuming that? From what I understand, yes. I feel like the fact that... I, for, From what I understand, it's a, several people. And I think sometimes they put the bullet in one gun and the rest have blanks. And they don't know... They So the people who do it don't know who's actually pulling the killing shot. But do you remember in episode two, the Lafferty brothers, he requested death by firing squad, but ended up just dying of natural causes anyway. Oh, you mean episode three? Yeah. Was that no, three? Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot this one was 20, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do remember that. That's uh, funny. It would have been 0% botched, 100% accurate if he had gotten that. Um, But anyway, uh, another fact about the electric chair is that during a botched execution in the electric chair, um, and I don't think they actually know how to stop this from happening. It just happens sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. They put a hood on the prisoner so that if their eyeballs pop out while they're being electrocuted, people don't Mm -hmm. see it. So that's why there's a hood on them. I feel like they use a hood for most executions, right? They've used it for hangings, electrocution. Yeah, pretty much. And I feel like for hanging as well, it was probably to cover the eyes from popping out. (laughs) Yeah, that's just going to... Gross. Yeah. Ooh, I burped too. (laughs) Yeah, no thanks. But anyway, um, my last fact and the one that surprised me the most is that scientifically speaking... Doctors aren't really sure how someone who gets killed in the electric chair, what actually kills them. Oh. It's a lot of things. It's all, you know, obviously there's there's reasons that he's dead, but they're not sure specifically what it is that makes that killing blow. I guess it could be like mess up the electrical currents in their brain. Does it? Yeah, it does that. So okay. that's, that's actually, that's one of the, the facts. Uh, one of the reasons they think it actually happens is that it fries the brain. So the body's heating up too much and too quickly and it boils the brain and cooks it. And because of that, at some point when it boils the part of your brain that handles the respiratory system, you stop breathing and die. And they think that's what it is. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's probably the answer, but they can't say for certain if that's what kills you or probably amalgamation. I think that's funny that they just don't really know. I mean, with all the technology and all the understanding of the human anatomy and... And uh, how long they've been using the electric chair. Yeah. You would think they'd know. I don't know if maybe they just stopped doing autopsies on those bodies because they're like, well, we know how they died. (laughs) By electrocution. Yeah. So I'm not sure, actually. I think that's funny, too. But let's get into Ruth. Ruth Snyder. All right. Who's this bitch? Who's this bitch? Well, Ruth Snyder was, I'm going to shorten her childhood to one phrase. She was poor 
and wanted to be rich. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of us. <laughs> it's a lot of us, really. <laughs> but uh, for her, her parents were poor immigrants who had moved there. She was born in America. And she wanted all the cutesy little girl things that she saw in the toy store and, you know, department stores and things like that. She wanted the cute furniture for her bedroom. Mm -hmm. She wanted a wristwatch, a pony, all kinds of like elitist stuff that there was no way her parents were able to afford. And what year was this again? I'm sorry. Oh, she was born in 1895 in Manhattan. Okay. Okay. Good time to be alive. Yeah. So yeah, she born to immigrant parents who wanted to have all the things she wanted to be a consumer, but her parents were like, nah, can't, can't afford it. But so she decided um, she didn't really like school. So she couldn't real she didn't feel like she wanted to have a career or anything, but she did learn house making really well. You know, like back then, that was the thing for girls to do anyway, is you learn how to cook really well, keep a nice house and keep your family happy and healthy. I think that's a noble pursuit. I agree. I think that is not where she went wrong. She was, I mean, you know, maybe she was a little greedy with thinking like, my parents can't give me this, so I'm going to get a man who can. But that's kind of the idea back then anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she was. She wanted to have a family, really. She just wanted to start a family for herself. And enter at, at about 19, we're going to find her husband, her future husband. Aww. Yeah, so she was 19. It was about 1914. And Albert who was 32 when he met Ruth and she was 19, you know, falls in love. They have like almost immediate chemistry. Aw, that's still a, kind of a big age gap, but okay. A little bit of an age gap, it's true. And I, I think it, it, I'm not sure if it mattered too much back in the day or not. People were probably getting married like that. But Albert had met her because she was a phone operator and she happened to call his office phone by mistake. Okay. And, uh, you know, you have an office. You have an office phone, Lisa. Do you think that would be frustrating? If someone called me? If someone called you and was like trying to, you know, connect you to somebody and they thought you were in a warehouse of some sort and you were like, no, it's not me. Uh, legit, that happened twice last week to me. Someone called asking <laughs> to buy bulk taco seasoning and I'm like, we make industrial mufflers for like hospital <laughs> engines. He's like, Oh, so you don't sell taco seasoning? Like, no, we don't sell bulk taco seasoning. (laughs) You're like, don't you think I would know if there was a bunch of taco seasoning lying around that I could sell you? (laughs) I I told my coworker, I said, some guy called asking to buy bulk taco seasoning. She goes, well, did you sell him some? I'm like, damn right I did. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get the bill in the mail. (laughs) She's like, that's why you're the number one employee. Employee of the month. (laughs) Mm -hmm, I can sell some we don't even have. So yes, I, I can't understand how it can be a little frustrating. Sure. Yeah, you're trying to do your job. You get this call. Well, that's what happened was Albert was a little frustrated with Ruth for calling and she was kind of new to the job. He did get a little bit upset at her and he started, you know, kind of mouthing off on the phone to her. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> Until she said, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I didn't mean to do that. She from California? That's me. That's just my voice. I was about to say, that sounded a little valley girl, Paige. Probably. (laughs) I've got a little Texas, little valley girl mixed together to create a monster of an accent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no one can place it. No one can place it. (laughs) I'll say y'all and talk about surfing in the same sentence. No, I don't like surfing. But uh, Albert liked the sound of Ruth when she was all cutesy and apologetic. So he asked her where she worked and he wanted to come down and apologize in person. Very nice. 
I guess. I mean, that's happened to me before when I was on the phone with customers and they, I, you know, they'll like start off the conversation all heated and then I, you know, calm them down, get them what they need. And at the end of it, they're like, you know, I'm so sorry that I was yelling at you. You know, I think I know where your office is. Do you mind if I stop by? That's another Valley girl. I swear. It's <laughs> I guess that's the only voice I could do. <laughs> no, that's uh... that was supposed to be a dude. That's okay. I guess it is creepy when you put it like that. Yes. I felt creeped out. Plus, I didn't want to meet them. But um, she did. She was like, yeah, you sound, you know, sophisticated and like an older gentleman. Why don't you come on down? That sounds great. Uh, now, I, I guess I'm just leaning in. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, um... I'm loving it. <laughs> okay. I'll just uh, do it then. Uh... <laughs> Before we move on, Lisa, I do want to tell you what Albert did for a living. Please tell me. He was an art editor for a magazine. Oh, okay. Uh, what kind of magazine? I assume it's a magazine for boating. Because the name of the magazine is called Motor Boating. <laughs> I hope that would tickle you because it tickled me. <laughs> I'm deeply tickled. Isn't that great? I was like, they don't know what they had back then. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's my motorboat impression. <laughs> <laughs> motorboat son of a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Lordy Lou. That's Albert. Albert was the motorboating son of a bitch, except the problem was when he met Ruth, he didn't have anyone to motorboat. He had been single for a long time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But he did have a girlfriend before. He had a fiance 10 years before he met Ruth. Mm -hmm. And his former fiance was named Jessie Gouchard. We're going to be talking about her quite a bit. Jessie Gouchard? Gouchard? Gouchard. Yeah. I don't really know how to say it. Jessie Gouchard. I'm assuming. Sure. I'll, I'll go with Jessica Shard. If she has something to yeah. say about it, she can tell us. Yeah. Great. Now there's going to be a ghost in front of me and be like, it's it's Gouchard. Right? They're like, I heard you. You said it wrong. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> don't, don't use a Ouija board is the message there. Yeah. Ain't doing it. Don't worry. <laughs> the first time you open it, it'll start spelling out how to say Gouchard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, poor Jessie. She died of pneumonia while they were engaged before they got married. Aww. And it devastated little Albert. He was so sad. And he was at her bedside when she died, holding her hand the whole time. Romantic and so, so tragic. It is. It's pretty tragic. And he never forgot about Jessie. Ever, ever, ever. Not even when he met Ruth. Um. So that's not so good. Not uh, so great. Ooh, things sound like they're about to get sticky. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. You start to loosen the necktie a little bit like, ooh, okay, <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> so Albert proposed marriage after they'd been dating for a little while. And she agreed. She loved, she was so excited to be his wife. But the problem is that once they got married, they realized they shouldn't have got married anyway. How do you figure? There's a couple different things. Uh, first of all, and this might be the one that's easiest to work through, they had conflicting desires of how to use their free time. Okay, so uh, one likes scrapbooking, the other likes stamp collecting, like that kind of issue? I feel like those two could get along okay as long as they can have their own workspace. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, for them, it was almost complete opposites. She was the extrovert social butterfly. She wanted to go out. It's prohibition time, so she wanted to go out, find the little speakeasies, dance, smooze, drink, booze. <laughs> oh, I like your rhyme there. But 
So that's what she wanted to do. She was a young girl. She wanted to get out there and live her life. But he was in his early 30s, which isn't old. <clears throat> no, but, it's uh, definitely not. <laughs> Once you get there, you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? Yeah, what happened? But he felt like an old man. And I get it. At that point in his life, he was ready to sit in the evening with a nice book have dinner, talk to his wife, and not necessarily go out dancing. Okay. Like, I can, I can get behind that for sure, especially as I am <clears throat> 33. Of, of a certain low 30 number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, he just happened to be more of a philosopher than her. She she was all about having a good time and laughing and joking around with pals, where he, as he wanted to sit and have philosophical discussions about life and universe and what everything means. And he's an artist, you know. So you can imagine they just didn't have a lot to talk about. Sure. I mean, it's maybe they could try a little harder, but you know, sometimes that happens. They got married pretty quickly in the relationship, so they didn't have a lot of time to get to know each other. Mm. But like I said, I think that could have gotten worked through, especially if, she, if they stayed together and she got older and was like, I don't want to go dancing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you could burn out on it after a while. Just give it some time. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, she also wanted kids. So eventually, I assume she wouldn't want to stay home at least part of the time Mm -hmm. for the kid. But anyway, the other thing that didn't get worked through, and I don't think ever would have, was that Albert was still absolutely in love with Jesse Gouchard, the dead ex-fiance. What? Wait, come on, dude. You shouldn't have gotten married if you weren't over your former fiance. Like, I get it. It's tragic. And and I know some people that, you know, have lost a spouse and then they remarry. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you ever 100% get over it. But you do to a degree. You don't have to flaunt it. Yeah. So was he very obvious that he missed Jesse? Or did he talk about it? Or Girl, so obvious. Like, he, I think after they got married, it probably got worse because the more he realized he didn't actually like Ruth all that much, the more he gravitated towards Jesse and mem- remembering her. Okay, I was like, please don't tell me that he gravitated towards, like, her, like, he dug up her body, a la Carl Van Kossel, Count Chocula. <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't Carl Van Kossel style, no, thank goodness, no. He just, uh, he had a lot of memorabilia, but not her body. <laughs> memorabilia? What, what, what did he have? Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. He had a couple things. He had a boat that he named after Jesse, and he named the boat Jesse after he married Ruth. So that kind of sucks. Well, that's a slap in the face. It is a little bit of slap in the face. <laughs> and Ruth didn't like it, as you can imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be pissed. <laughs> um, and he would say things like, when he was talking about Jesse, he'd say things like, and Jesse was the finest woman I've ever known. Pointedly looks at Ruth, you know. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, fuck Yeah, he off. would say that. Everybody heard him say that. Poor Ruth over there in the corner, like, I don't know what I am, chopped liver. So that kind of sucks. She didn't like that. But he, you know, th- those are kind of the big things. The other stuff he had was like, he had a photo album with all, all pictures of him and Jesse. Okay, I hope you can hear my eyes roll. And you know he had to hold on to that. They moved around a couple times. I'm sure she kept trying to throw it away, but he didn't let her. Uh, I don't know. I would totally try and throw it away. Yes. I'd be like, oh, it burned in the oven <laughs> <laughs> somehow. <laughs> no, I, if yeah, I don't know how cold I would be if I would truly throw something like that away or what, but I I would definitely be hurt. I would be hurt too. You know, I've actually I've heard of couples who are really because both of them have lost people, like both of them are wit- widows or widowers, mm-hmm. you know, that they're able to honor their 
previous, you know, loved ones while still maintaining their current relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they kind of, you know, both talk about their dead loved ones together and it helps them heal and stuff. And so it's definitely possible. But Albert was kind of doing it like a dick. <laughs> so, <laughs> Don't be an Albert like um, dick. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Uh, the straw that broke the camel's back for this was that he had a painting with Jesse on it. Like he had a painting of Jesse up in their living room. Okay, now look, the boat the boat was already the last straw for me, but this this is something entirely different. This is grounds for divorce. Bullshit. Yeah, and if they would get into really nasty arguments, which they did frequently, mm-hmm. she would get pissed off and try to take the painting down and like get rid of it and he would fly into a rage until she put it back we take this few seconds off to inform you our valued loyal listener about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the nespod studios join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC the truest story never told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. Back up. This, this, I'm sorry, this guy had no business re- or getting married if he just was not over. I know, it's some, it's some bullshit. And so, uh, one more little tidbit that's going to come up later in the story is that he had a tie pin that said her initials, which were JG. So, remember that. This is totally a Robert Baratheon type dude where he can't get over Liana. And he's married to Cersei. Oh my God, you're right. He's married to a new woman who's, you know, by all accounts, a beautiful, good wife to have, whatever. But he just cannot let go of that one girl who might not have even liked him that much anyway. We don't know because she's dead, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And for all of you guys, yeah, that was a Game of Thrones reference. (laughs) Just in case you're like, oh, right. I'm sorry. Who's Uh, Robert Baratheon? Who's this guy? (laughs) I would be very surprised if anyone who wants to listen to this podcast beyond a couple episodes (laughs) didn't watch Game of Thrones at some point. Hopefully you're all our nerds. And even if you're not, it's okay. But we... You're still welcome. You're still welcome. Just so you know, we we talk about Game of Thrones. The Thrones is... We will try our best, like Lisa just did, to tell you what we're talking about. Because I hate it when I'm listening to a podcast and they throw out some dumb movie reference I've never heard of. And then they keep talking. And I'm like, what? What was that? (laughs) Yeah. So we'll try not to do that to you guys. But anyway, their solution to this marriage problem that Ruth had was to have a baby in 1918. Because that solves every problem in a marriage. Oh, yeah. It doesn't cause new problems at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> by making people stressed out and tired all the time and poor and <laughs> it's not going to help it's just not it does not help if you're already having marriage problems it's not going to help mm-hmm. and it didn't specifically with these guys they had a baby girl named Lorraine in 1918 Ruth was so excited she was so happy to have a little girl of her own that she could spoil and treat right and dote on exactly do her hair whatever but Albert on the other hand, said he didn't want kids and was not happy that she got pregnant. And it's like, dude, what did you think you guys were doing in the bedroom this whole time? You were making babies. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Oh, man. Oh, man. He didn't have the talk before, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently not. And they didn't have reliable birth control back then. So come on, dude. But whatever. Uh, it didn't save their marriage. Mm-mm. Ruth now at her wits end just you know her she's basically just concentrating on her daughter and herself and whatever with Albert in comes the side piece uh oh who's the side piece the side piece is a new lover named Judd Gray Judd Gray Judd Gray corset salesman oh lover (laughs) (laughs) did he really sell corsets yes he was a corset salesman Mm -hmm. well I Mm -hmm. mean Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like that's a job for a lady and like maybe not a door-to-door kind of thing. (laughs) You would think so, but I'm pretty sure he was a (laughs) door-to-door person. Hello there, ma'am. Are you in the market for a new upper top of Flava Stoppa? (laughs) Oh my God, girl. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Do it again. (laughs) Well, I'm the man for you. Just see my wares. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Your your Judd Gray is probably right on. I mean, I don't know what he sounds like. But they're in Manhattan, so it's got to be something. I felt like it had to be snappy, you know? Oh, my God. You're so good at that. You got to do all the voices. <laughs> Except Valley Girl. I'm sure you do a great Valley Girl, but I'll take over that one. Please do. I, I can do door-to-door salesmen in 19-something or another. But 20s. Yeah, I can do 1920 salesmen. That's, yeah, that's actually where we are right now, by the way. She met Judd Gray in 1925. Well, there we go. And that's when they started doing the nasty. <laughs> like uh, like immediately like I don't know why they fell in love immediately because from what I hear Ruth was gorgeous I mean she that's what they said anyway from the pictures I think otherwise but that was also after a murder trial so it's hard to say she's probably looking a little tired I'm sure yeah it. I'm sure I'm sure she lost some of her luster after that but um <laughs> So apparently she was gorgeous, but she was also gregarious, and that kind of makes you more attractive. She was very funny and sociable and stuff, so Mm. everybody liked Ruth, but Judd was described as being an average Joe and super easy to forget. Well, I would love to be described as that one day. You want to be easy to forget? I mean, you just blend right you're in. You're not. I, I was being sarcastic. Let's let's start there. Oh, no. okay. Okay. You're too good at being sarcastic because I thought for sure you wanted that. <laughs> I know, right? It sounds awful. When I first read that, I was like, oh, that's not nice to Judd. But you'll see later. It's okay. It's okay. I don't like Judd. Judd's an asshole. We'll see. Anyway, okay. you'll see. So anyway, he's easily forgettable, average height, thick glasses, cleft chin. Like there's nothing memorable about him. But he also tries to fade into the background and Judd himself he had a wife at home just like Ruth had a husband oh okay so double adulterers yeah that's how to do it right I don't know I wouldn't know (laughs) but (laughs) so Judd was married he had a kid and later on while they were going through the murder trial he said this of his wife direct quote never could I seem to attain 
with her, meaning his wife at the time, Mm -hmm. the comradeship that formed the bond between my mother and myself. Oh, so mommy issues, it sounds like. Mama's boy. Oh, Lord. Yeah, so he's a mama's boy for sure. And he he said his wife, basically, he said his wife was perfectly fine. (laughs) (laughs) Was she now? Apparently, she was perfectly fine, but there was nothing special about her. And they didn't have any, like, deep connection. They were just polite to each other, you know, which I think that's fine. Nothing wrong with being polite to each other, but I guess he wanted more passion. Well, I mean, yeah, passion's good in a marriage, but respect and politeness goes a long way, too. It can lead to more passion. Yes, that is what lasts. But he, he wanted somebody who could excite him, and he met that person in Ruth. I'm sure they're both looking for a little something-something. Yeah, they were. They were both looking for something outside of their wedding, and that's, that's what they found. Uh, and actually, after the affair got going and heated up, he started calling Ruth Mumsy. Come again? That's how much he liked moms. Yeah, mum, Mumsy. Mumsy. I've never even heard that as a... Like, I've heard hot mama, but not Mumsy. <laughs> or little mama or something like that. Well, hey there, Mumsy. Judd, you're back. Mumsy, <laughs> I guess. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, Mumsy. And she didn't call him Papa or Daddy or anything. She called him Lover Boy. She really called him Lover Boy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mumsy and Lover Boy. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me, but... Hey, if that's what you like, get it. And that's what they did. They got it. They went on for two years with this hot affair. And as far as I know, his wife and her husband had no idea what was going on the whole time. Or maybe Albert didn't care enough to try and find out. <laughs> you know, that's what I think. <laughs> but she decided after two years of being in this torrid affair with Judd, I, I don't know if she necessarily wanted to end it to be with Judd, but she definitely wanted Albert out of her life for good, like permanently. Out of his life, it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, she wanted him out of his life, yeah. (laughs) So before she started to try and kill him, she decided to take some life insurance policies out on her husband. Mm -hmm, That's a good practice, yeah. Especially, you know, back then it was a lot easier than it is these days to get away with insurance fraud. Mm Mm-hmm as with H.H. H. Holmes, but with Ruth Snyder, she was, she, she might have got away with it, but you'll see later why she didn't. But she had three different life insurance policies, 1000 5000 and 45000 on her husband. The rumor is that she got him to sign all three of the policies by telling him that the first policy, which was only $1,000, he had to sign it in triplicate. So he didn't even read the other two. He supposedly just signed them all and said, whatever, get out of my face. So she got away with it. She kind of told him they were duplicates, right? Yeah, yeah. She said it was a form, form in triplicate. So she, so he signed the first one and she's like, okay, the other two are the same thing. Oh, he didn't even know. Didn't even know. Read the fine print, brah. I know. I know. You start to see the little things that come out to tell you your wife is trying to kill you. (laughs) First off, she hates you. I mean, (laughs) and you hate her. So anyway, the $45,000 policy included double indemnity, meaning if his death was ruled an accident, Ruth would get 90,000 instead of just 45,000. Oh, wow. So that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. At least that part of it. I feel like some accidents are about to happen. Yes. (laughs) She's like, I figured it out. Let's make it look like an accident. Herself. To herself. Because Judd is not helping her at this point. Oh, okay. According to Judd, who said this to the newspapers later on, Ruth tried to kill Albert seven times on her own before she recruited Judd to help her. Wow. That's kind of a lot. (laughs) It, It seems like a lot. Especially the fact that 
Albert never figured it out, but um, (laughs) she tried to set up accidents to happen to her husband. And the ones I'm going to talk about both occurred in the garage. The first one, he was working on the car. Somehow she set it up so that the jack that was holding up the car would break. And hopefully the car would crush Albert, according to Ruth. That's what she wanted. Goodness. But it didn't work. It broke, but he got out of the way, so he was fine. And then another time in the garage as well, he was working on the car again. And she brings him some whiskey. I think the whiskey might have been laced with something, or she just kept bringing him whiskey because he basically passed out in the garage. Uh-oh. So while he was passed out, she locked, she, she turned on the car to leave it running and locked the door. So he was in there slowly supposed to die mm-hmm. but he did it he woke up and got out and saved his skin Jeez, at that point don't you think like you could catch on like that, that one feels pretty obvious you would think so and there was according to judge seven whole times of weird near-death accidents and albert was just like oh interesting whatever i'm okay now <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's every time that stewie tried to kill lois and family guy she's like <laughs> That the chair like broke. I, I could have broke my neck. And he's like, damn you, vile woman. That's true. That's how it feels. <laughs> he's just walking around like, I could have died. How silly. Yeah. I bet Ruth is like, <laughs> <laughs> grinding her teeth in the corner. But yeah, so that's only two of the times. The other times I, I'm not going to talk about. It. I just picked the two interesting ones. Mm. But apparently, like I said, Albert didn't notice anything wrong. And... It's likely that she didn't even try to do all these things and that Judd made it up for publicity later. That's possible. It is possible. That's the sucky part is that. Anyway, we'll get to it. (laughs) But (laughs) 1927, March 12th, 1927, Ruth and Judd finally teamed up after several supposedly unsuccessful attempts. Uh, Ruth and Judd finally are like, okay, let's make this happen tonight. So Ruth and her family which is Albert and her daughter Lorraine, Mm -hmm. went out for the evening. When they got back, Judd was already snuck into the house and hiding in the guest bedroom where Albert would not likely to be not likely to find him. Okay. After Albert and Lorraine were both kind of put to bed, Ruth snuck into the guest bedroom where Judd was waiting. She was wearing just a little sexy slip. Uh oh. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's gonna get. They wanted some uh, pre-murder action, so supposedly they had sex in the guest bedroom while waiting for Albert to fall asleep. I mean, you gotta kill time somehow. <laughs> kill time. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna yeah. kill some time before you kill your husband? Uh huh. Work quick. <laughs> By the way, honey, I brought you some corsets. <laughs> but because c- that's part of the story is that apparently she was a little sensitive about her weight because she couldn't shed all of the baby weight. So uh-huh. that was another reason she really liked him because she got like cheap or free corsets. But anyway, <laughs> oh, get yours, girl. Get it. <laughs> squeeze into it. And squeeze into it. Get it for free uh, or for sex. I don't know. But um <laughs> So Albert fall asleep and they snuck back into the bedroom where he was. Judd had brought with him wire, chloroform, and a five pound weight. That sounds like what all I keep in my purse. For self-defense, right? Of course, of course. Yes. I don't even know where to get chloroform. It might be super easy to get. I legit don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> when they snuck in, Albert's asleep. Judd goes over to the bed with the weight, the five pound weight, and he brings it down on top of Albert's head to kill him. Ouch. I'm gonna have a splitting headache in the morning. Right away because Albert 
all it did, it didn't hurt. I don't know if it even hurt him that bad. Albert just woke up and was like, wait, what? <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> He's hard-headed. It's cool. He jumped out of bed. He was pissed off. He he would go into rages before with Ruth, so we know that he's got some anger issues. Mm-hmm. He went into a rage, and he started attacking Judd, probably thinking Judd was, like, sneaking into his house and trying to burgle him or something. Mm-hmm. So him and Judd are fighting, and Judd is not very good at fighting. Remember, this is a skinny guy with glasses. He don't know how to fight. <laughs> I don't know how to fight. I just know how to sell corsets. And screw. <laughs> and screw your wife. <laughs> oh, my God. You're so good at that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Basically, Judd was like, ah, oh, shit. I don't know how to deal with this. So he said, help me, mumsy, if you want to go for it. Help me, mumsy. I'm trying to kill your husband. I'm not having much success here. <laughs> <laughs> mom say get over here that's good exactly that's exactly what happened so ruth was like okay i guess i gotta come in and save the day so she uh or not save the day um <laughs> she jumped into the fight and she took the weight that judd had dropped and brought it down on albert's head while he wasn't paying attention so he went down this time okay Good, good. Stay down. I mean, I, sh- sh- I don't know why I'm well, saying good. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Just I'm not rooting for any of these people except maybe the daughter, Lorraine. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Albert <clears throat> went down like a sack of potatoes, and, but he wasn't dead yet. So they stuffed his nostrils with chloroform, with cotton-soaked chloroform, cho- chloroform-soaked cotton. And then she apparently took the wire that Al- that uh, Judd had brought and strangled Albert to death with it. Apparently, that's what Judd said happened. Mm-hmm. Judd also said that Ruth took their clothing that had blood on it and s- burnt it in the incinerator downstairs to get rid of the evidence. Now, to make it look like it was a robbery so they didn't suspect Ruth or Judd, uh, Judd went around and ransacked the house trying to make it look like burglars had come in and, you know, thrown things around and stolen stuff. Mm-hmm. And the piece de resistance, Judd Ooh. tied up Ruth to a chair mm-hmm. and shoved cheesecloth in her mouth to make it look like she got tied up by the burglars and left there. Was there some cheese in the cheesecloth? Like, did he give her a snack? Some kind of nosh to yeah. <laughs> keep her over till the morning. A little nibble. A little nibble, nibble. <laughs> a little, uh... Sharp cheddar action. Ooh, I'm about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but n- I don't think so. <laughs> okay. But Lorraine wakes up early the next morning because she hears her mom's calling for her. Mm-hmm. And she heads outside out into the kitchen, finds her mom tied up. And her mom says, go get the neighbors to help us. So Lorraine puts on her robe, runs to the neighbor's house where they call the cops and try and figure out what happened. Well, the cops untie Ruth and they start asking her questions like what happened last night. Mm -hmm. And what she told the cop was that two large Italian men had shown up. But while they were all basically about to go to sleep, Lorraine was already in her room asleep. And the two large Italian men stole her jewelry, tied her up, knocked her out. And then they must have killed her husband after she was knocked out. She didn't know that part, supposedly. Okay. So that's her story. That's what she says happened to the police. And the house did look turned over. Someone had uh, gone through and like did some upturned furniture and stuff. And as far as they could tell on first glance, the jewelry was missing. So they're like, okay, maybe it's a little bit of an open shut case. We just got to find these two guys who did it. These two Italianos. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But upon a closer examination, they start to see some inconsistencies in Ruth's story. 
Oh, so she's not the criminal mastermind we all thought she was. Hmm? <laughs> not at all. In fact, you're going to think dumb bitch for this. <laughs> oh. Like in episode two. <laughs> that was episode two. Good job. Mm-hmm. I do remember sometimes things. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so Ruth, being a dumb bitch, she said that the robbers took her jewelry, right? So you would think that she would hand Judd her jewelry as he was walking out the door to at least get it out of the house. I would think that, yes. I'm a logical person, though. You are a logical person, and Ruth was not. So what she did, and she probably was like, well, I don't want this to get too far away from me, is she took all her nice jewelry and shoved it under her mattress. Okay. The cops found it. (laughs) And they were like, oh, this doesn't seem right. I don't think burglars would put it here. So they were a little suspicious of that. They were also suspicious of how the house had been disheveled because it didn't really fit a burglary. Instead, it was like curtains were torn. There was a couple pillows thrown around. There was a few chairs that were knocked down. It didn't, it looked more like a a party had been there. (laughs) Okay, so it was starting to look a little staged too. Yes, yes. So they were like, whoever did this didn't know what a robbery was actually going to look like. (laughs) So they got suspicious. That was Judd. So both of them are dumb bitches in this (laughs) together. Okay, I can take that, yeah. Yeah, at least they're doing it together. (laughs) (laughs) But now it it starts to get into some harder evidence. In her handbook, they found a check for $200 made out to Judd Gray, corset salesman. That's how they found Judd's name and added it to the mix. And then they they were like, okay, well, that could could be for a corset, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. Could be. But they also found in the same bag, they found a letter from Judd, a love letter where he calls her Mumsy. Not with a Mumsy again. <laughs> exactly. She's keeping these things basically out in the open and being like, but it was robbers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> I, I, it kind of sucks. And the, to add insult to injury, the cops found Albert's uh, tie pin. And remember, it said the initials JG for Jesse Gouchard. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they didn't know Jesse Gouchard, and there was no reason for them to. So they assumed it was Judd Gray's tie clip. Oh, no. I know. Poor Ruth. She was like, that damn tie clip. I've been hating it for how many years now? And it is the thing that brings me down. (laughs) It will be the death of me. It is the death of her. Yeah, Albert's. Revenge from beyond the grave. Real, uh, super sucks for them. So basically, <laughs> the police realize what's going on. They just have to get Ruth to admit it or, you know, find Judd. But they bring in Ruth and they're like, just a casual, like, we just want to ask you some more questions to fill out the rest of the paperwork. So she's like, sure, no problem. She goes in with them. And the f- one of the first questions out of his mouth, real casual, just making chit chat. He says, and how about that Judd Gray? <laughs> she says immediately, has he confessed? <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> she didn't even be like, who's that? <laughs> I mean, who's that? I don't know. You mean the guy that sold me my corset? <laughs> she could have said that. Like, that name sounds familiar. I think I bought some corsets from him. What of him? You know? Yeah. <laughs> no. Man, she made that real easy. She could have at least tried, but no, she did it. She said, has he confessed? Like, guilty conscience coming through. And they said, basically, they were like, no, bitch, but you just did. <laughs> so Ruth and Judd, after this whole debacle. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows. 
from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. Well, they both get arrested for first-degree murder and they go on trial. As they should, yes. Ruth and Jed immediately turn on each other Mm -hmm. and they start pointing the finger like it was all their idea to each other. Oh, so much for this this lovey-dovey mumsiness. I know, right? That was quick. <laughs> so Ruth blamed Judd, said that it was his idea to get the insurance policies and that he had done all the, the attacking on Albert and she didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. What I told you guys before was Judd's side of the story. His was a little bit more like, yes, I did participate, but it was mostly her idea and she did the killing blow. So I, because... Of the differing stories, like for her, it was all Judd's fault and Judd did everything. And then he said, well, I did this stuff and she did this stuff. His sounded a little bit more believable. Yes. Because he was saying he was culpable a little bit too. But it didn't matter. In the end, both of them got sent to the electric chair. Okay, so they're both found guilty. Both are going to die. That was on, in 1927. May 13th, 1927. Both were found guilty by the jury. Judge sentenced them both to death, and they were sent to the death house at Sing Sing. The death house, huh? Yeah. That yeah, what I called? guess that's where they send them. <laughs> Back then, I think that's what, like a nickname for the... For like death row inmates? The death prison? row. Thank you. Yeah. That's what they called it in the newspaper anyway. Okay. But so they were going to go to death, to the death house at Sing Sing, and then they were going to meet old sparky the electric chair old sparky huh old sparky all right is that like a brand name i it might as well be right because the the electric chair in huntsville texas prison was also called old sparky for a long time so (laughs) when when i read this i was like no old sparky's in texas how dare you sing sing try to steal the name i'm sure it was a common nickname and for those of you that don't know Paige actually went to college in huntsville so she would know that's true lisa i did i did go to college in huntsville and i also visited the texas prison museum several times as a child I'm so jealous. Like, I I live here. I need to go. I need to just pick a weekend and go. I think you should. It was awesome. I've been there a lot. And if it's still open, I don't even know if it still exists. But if it does, I say go see it because they have old Sparky in the in the wood not in the flesh <laughs> in the wood uh-huh you can't sit in it but it would be cool if you could. oh my god if you could sit in it i would be so happy wouldn't that be great maybe they should charge for it like 20 bucks to sit in it people would pay i would pay so anyway um <laughs> i'll be sure to let them know next time i'm there yeah please give them a little tip like hey by the way i would have given you five stars on yelp except <laughs> except we can't sit in old sparky <laughs> 
Yeah, I want to send Old Sparky, even if you charge extra for it. I feel like that's a perfect way to get haunted, though. Like, Ooh, yeah, good idea. Maybe don't sit in it. Yeah. I mean, in theory, it's fun, but in actuality, (laughs) you're going to get haunted. I'd still do it. But anyway. (laughs) um, So why is the execution of Ruth Snyder more important to the story than what? The whole fucking thing that we just talked about. The reason I told the story was to tell you that, excuse me, the trial of Ruth and Judd was all over the tabloids the entire time. There was like local celebrities showing up just to sit in the trial uh, for no real reason. These two were no names, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, the tabloids went nuts on their trial. So leading up to the execution of Ruth Snyder um, and Judd Gray, people were anticipatory of it because they had been following the trial the whole time. So they were set to be executed January 12th, 1928. Judd and Ruth were going to be executed on the same day because they committed the same crime. And when it was Ruth's turn at the electric chair, a reporter was there with a camera strapped to his ankle. He snuck it in. How big were his pants? Because I know those cameras had to be <laughs> big. They were. They were so bulky. But there, there is a picture online of this guy with the camera on his ankle. His name is... Tom Howard, and it was a single-use camera, so it's a little smaller than the other cameras they had of the day, but still pretty bulky. I guess people just weren't looking at his ankle. I don't know. He has cankles. Leave him alone. Exactly. He was maybe he limping a little bit, so they thought maybe he had a fake leg. I have no idea how he snuck this thing in, but he did. He was sitting down with a camera on his ankle. And he worked for the New York Daily News, who had sent him in there, not necessarily to get a picture, but to get a good story. Yeah, he thought he'd do one better. He did. He was like, fuck you guys, I gotta figure this out. (laughs) Talking to the prison guards who were supposed to stop him. (laughs) So as as you can assume, uh, cameras were not allowed at executions, Mm -hmm. at at, uh, electric chair executions. It just was, I guess, poor taste. So they didn't allow it. Sure. But he snuck one in. Tom Howard did. So at the t- at the moment, Ruth Snyder's sitting down. She gets the electric currents through her. And as she's dying after the whole thing is over, he, ta- he pulls up the pan of his leg and takes a quick picture of her from that camera. Oh, as she's dying? As she's dying. So while she's taking her last breaths, he points his toe at her and takes the picture and just hopes that it catches her because, you know, mm-hmm. it's a one-shot camera and I'm sure it probably had like a flash or something. So I bet all the prison guards were like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I probably thought old Sparky was sparking or something. <laughs> right. Maybe they thought it was normal. I don't know. But uh, he did get away with the camera. So I assume they did not know. Mm-hmm. He got the picture. I think that if they had known, they would try to confiscate the camera. Yeah. But he, he got away with it. So Ruth Snyder, poor Ruth Snyder, was electrocuted to death. He took a picture of her while she was dying. And that's where her infamy, you know, was solidified. So did this make it like in the actual newspaper? It did. It did. The next day, it ran in his newspaper that he worked for, the New New York Daily News. They ran it with the headline. I, I don't know what the headline actually was, but it was like there was Ruth Snyder in the electric chair dying right in front of everybody's faces. And they had never seen a picture like that before. Oh, it's awfully gruesome to think about super gruesome yes and i think they explained in there it wasn't just her sitting there waiting to be electrocuted it was while she was dying and that really sparked people either i keep saying sparked Um, (laughs) (laughs) unintentionally right unintentionally i think it's just in my vocabulary but um (laughs) as you can imagine i mean people have never seen somebody being electrocuted because they didn't allow cameras in there Mm -hmm. and this is the only picture 
before or since that I know of, of a person dying in the instant. They've had pictures of electrocutions before and after death, but not during. Mm -hmm. So this is the only one of its kind, as far as I know, in the electric chair. Oh, I just looked up a picture and it's awfully creepy. Isn't it a little creepy? It's kind of, uh, it's like if you just happen to see it without context, you might not know what it was or think it's creepy, Mm -hmm. but knowing what it is makes it extra creepy. Definitely creepy. It almost looks like her her limbs are a, a smidge blurred. Like she's yes. moving. Like I'm I'm sure when a current's going through you you're shaking. But uh Yeah, I think the same thing, Lisa. I when I saw it too and there's other people who have said the same thing that it looks like it could just be that it's a shitty camera because it, I mean, it was, you know, a little one one-off shot camera, mm-hmm. but it does look like her limbs are still quivering like she's Still got the electricity shooting through her limbs. It looks like there's a dude standing behind her. I wonder that too. It's hard to tell because if you see the pic, so there's the the image of it that's cropped just of her. Yeah. But then there's the full image that because he was, you know, taking it from the ground up, you can see the whole room basically with people standing there and, you know, so it's hard to tell really what's going on behind her. But yeah, it's it's a crazy picture. And people have said they, they've gone as far to say is like you can because of the blurriness you can kind of see that she is dying and maybe like her spirits coming out of her body I'm not so sure about all that I think that part of it is that you know that she's dying in the picture so you kind of attach meaning to it but who's to say yeah because it it kind of looks like there's someone behind her, but it also looks like she's right up against a wall. Yeah, yeah. So is it a weird shadow of the chair or is it a person standing there making sure it's going okay? I don't know how close they were allowed to stand. Yeah, I mean, the person, I mean, whoever, if there's anything behind her, it like, I mean, like I said, it looks a little see-through, but it's also against the wall. And it could just be the camera catching like a shadow or a blur of her moving and it because it looks almost about as tall as her, but it also kind of looks like, I don't know, it's creepy. Y'all got to go look. Yeah. All you have to do is put in Ruth Snyder, creepy. and there she is. Yep. Ruth Snyder, Ruth Snyder Execution, whatever you want, you'll find it. And this name is spelled S-N-Y-D-E-R for mm-hmm. Snyder. Um, so, yeah, he got this in the papers. The paper congratulated him, thought he did a great job, gave him a $100 bonus just for this picture. <laughs> Good job. That's $100. Good job, Tom. <laughs> somehow Judd's like somehow Judd Gray got out he's <laughs> like yeah Judd's like good job Tom Howard why don't you come take a picture of me <laughs> <laughs> hey you did pretty good yourself I, I was trying to copy you you're my teacher oh thank you no you did really well <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> but um because of Tom Howard's antics on the day of Ruth Snyder's execution from that day forward particularly in Sing Sing they would always have the journalists lift their leg to make sure they didn't have a camera on their ankle. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and as far as I know, nobody else tried it. Yeah, they probably caught on pretty quickly. Yeah, they were like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, okay, so the, the journalist was allowed to go watch her. How, how common was it to allow someone to go watch an execution like that? Like, I feel like nowadays, like, there's no way, like, only, like, friends and family and stuff like that are allowed to go. You're right. I don't think today they even, I could be wrong, but I don't think today they even allow reporters. Unless they were like specially invited or something. Yeah, like if they had somehow developed a relationship with the 
person being executed and that person requests their presence, I believe that's okay. But back then, it, it wasn't open to the public. I don't think just anybody could get in to see an execution, but they did allow journalists, I believe, but just no cameras. So to wrap it up with Judd Gray, our favorite forgettable face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Judd Gray. I got a forgettable face, but I did a heinous crime. <laughs> and they about to get me for it. <laughs> I'm about to fry. For reals, he is, because unfortunately, when it was his turn at the chair, the same chair, old Sparky, that Ruth had just sat in, he unfortunately was botched. His execution was botched and his feet caught fire. Oh, no. He was the one percenter. <laughs> yeah, he was one of those one percenters whose, whose uh, execution was botched. Oh, jeez. But Ruth's wasn't. Okay. Ruth's was not botched. It was just photographed. It was just photographed. Yeah. (laughs) So they both have interesting stories. Yay. Stupid Judd. I think it's his fault that we see Ruth the way we do because he was the one that talked to the paper more than she did. So the paper basically called him like some lovable Joe Schmo who got wrapped up in her world and she's like this spider woman who I don't know spider woman sounds more like spider-man now but I meant like black widow I think that's what you're going for is a black widow thank you (laughs) a black widow yeah like she was just trying to use him to kill her husband for her Uh is what the media painted her as and I'm not sure that's the case I kind of feel like it was the both of them but she chose to keep quiet where he yeah you know he told his story and you have no other story to like go off of yeah then that makes sense that they're gonna say okay well she's the she's really the bad one I mean he got roped into it because of her right yeah he's this dumb Joe Schmo guy he couldn't come up with a plan like this it's gotta be that one you know I'm no Joe Schmo I'm Judd Gray (laughs) That was terrible. No, you must have it wrong, sir. (laughs) Judd. But that's our episode for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.